Welcome to the Nerd Party. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Throwback Paperback. I'm one of your hosts, Charles Sheeland. And I'm the other host, Asia Bonilla. We're back this week with one final episode on Stephanie Meyer's Twilight Saga, and today we're discussing the newest novel, Midnight Sun, which is the Twilight story retold from Edward's perspective rather than from Bella's. Yep, and for anyone who's new to our show, we're a podcast on the Nerd Party Network. We're best friends, and we read and reread YA literature, and we share books with each other. So we alternate between series that one of us has read and the other hasn't, and we're currently wrapping up Asia's turn to reread. So we're completing this Twilight series with the new novel, which came out last year, 2020. Yes, I've read Twilight many times before, but this was Charles's first time. And because Midnight Sun is so new, I've only actually read this story once when it came out last summer. And we really like this format of one of us reading and one of us rereading because you get to hear from one person who's reading for the first time and the other person who is rereading. And that's me this time. And the newbie, Charles, always gets to give a quick summary of the reading in case you couldn't read along with us. Yep. And normally I would, except that this time I don't think we really need a summary because we just covered Twilight and this is the same story. Obviously, we get some scenes which are only from Edward's view when he and Bella are separated. But in large, we have the same plot. Bella and Edward meet, they fall in love, they play baseball, James causes some chaos, and the Cullens have to go save Bella. And normally we would go into our impressions of the reading as well, just overall. But I think that with this book, it's not going to work that well because it's going to be, it's going to lead into a more freeform discussion. I think we should just save that for the end. So if it's okay with you, Asia, I think we should just do notes. Yeah, let's just do our individual notes, and then we'll go into a complete discussion. Yeah, so we start with Edward not being interested in Bella until he realizes he can't read her mind. And then when he smells her, he thinks he's going to kill her in the classroom, and he has like a whole plan on how he's going to kill everyone else, and how they're all going to have to move, because he's going to reveal himself. But he manages to hold off for the hour, and he runs away to Denali. And we find out that Tanya really, really wanted Edward, And he's really not interested in her. And he was not even interested in her before he met Bella. Like, which we knew. He always had told us that. But, like, it was, we, you know, just got visual proof of it. And what I thought was interesting is that we found out that the Denali clan, they sleep with human men a lot. Which feels like a little bit of a cheeky addition after Breaking Dawn. Because, obviously, there are no consequences when the woman is a vampire. But there were some pretty dramatic consequences in Breaking Dawn when the human was a woman and was able to carry a half-vampire child. Yes, but then Edward does eventually come back, and we get a really cool moment with him that could kind of change how you read the original series, because we find out that Edward can't fully hear Charlie's thoughts. He can only hear the tone of them, but like not the actual words. So... Like, knowing this and rereading the whole series, you could have a different idea. And we also, he eventually hears Renee's thoughts, too, and how it's almost like Renee shouts her thoughts. So it's like a big contrast. And he talks about how it's so interesting them together, like, formed Bella just being completely silent. So I just thought that was interesting and something we would have never gotten if we wouldn't have read, gotten this point of view from Edward. And then also, super early on, he 
find out that Jasper and Rosalie wanted to kill Bella immediately because they don't want her to be able to reveal their secret as vampires. And Alice is already seeing the future. Basically, as soon as Edward kind of becomes interested in Bella, Alice sees basically two options for her. Either she's going to become a vampire and join their family, or Edward is going to kill her. Yeah, which is crazy because it's so early in the book that Alice already sees those two options. Like later on in the book, we see that one thread where Bella grows older, but like she's still friends with Edward and Alice. And Edward really wants to do that one. But, like, that's a super rare thread. And then, obviously, we get the final one that ends up happening in New Moon a little bit, which I'm sure we'll talk about at the end. But really, for the most part in this book, Alice is, like, Edward is either going to lose control and kill her or she's going to transform, which ends up also coming true eventually. So never get bet against Alice. And you mentioned that Jasper and Rose are really ready to kill Bella. And we find out because we get Edward's perspective and reading Rose's thoughts that she really, really, really is jealous of Bella. Like, we knew she didn't like Bella and we knew she was jealous, but like, it's beyond because we get Rose's pissed about Edward being interested in Bella. Yeah, it's it's a lot with Rosalie. It's all it's a little immature. Like, it's a little immature for someone who is like, what, 70 years old? Like Oh, for sure, but that's kind of her character so it like ultimately makes sense but we just you don't see it as much obviously when we're as when we're reading the story as Bella because she's so minor in the story Bella's just like she knows Rosalie doesn't like her but I mean it all works out in the end but around that time Edward begins watching Bella sleep and he even admits that he's a stalker and he kind of feels guilty for it but he thinks that Bella wouldn't like him for transforming her into a vampire, which is also why he's so hesitant about he does not want to turn her into a vampire because he has this whole idea that she's going to hate him for it before being, like, selfish, which, again, I mean, Alice even tells him that, like, this is only taking into account of, like, what Edward wants, like, all these futures she's seeing. They're not even taking into account, like, what Bella would want. And obviously we've read the story. Bella wants to be a vampire. She can make decisions for herself. But anyway... Back to Edward stalking Bella. He feels that he can still go into Bella's room because he's like, human rules have never applied to them as vampires. So why should this one little thing? He's like, we always break the rules. And he kind of like justifies it to himself. And ultimately he hears her like talking in her sleep and it's just too intriguing for him. So he's like, I have to go inside. And he talks about how he like kills a spider while he's in there and he puts on extra blanket on her one night while like she's shivering. So like, honestly, this sounds like the best kind of stalker ever. Like I, I would be okay with this kind of stalker in my life. (laughs) As we discussed last time, I remember our second week of Twilight because the first week of Twilight, I was like, he's not a stalker. He's just a nice guy. And then (laughs) we find out first chapter of the second reading of twilight that he was watching her sleep it's okay once bella knows and she's okay with it it's a little weird until then but edward you know like you said he justifies it because he's taking away any danger away from bella which still not a justification but whatever we just we have to accept it because bella accepts (laughs) it but specifically he mentions that the quileutes are not a threat which i really liked like even before the wolves become shapeshifters again, Edward gives them the benefit of the doubt. Like, he's like, I'm not worried about them attacking Bella. 
And it just proves, you know, that he's a better character than Taylor Lautner. Like he just, he just trusts them more than they ever trust him. And like, it's, it's, it's a nice, it's a nice like moment for Edward's character that like we see that he has a tendency to trust. Yeah. And then another Midnight Sun little exposition is uh, at lunch when Edward and Belle like sit together and Belle is like, can you eat food? And he's like, yeah, like humans can eat dirt. And he eats like the like bite of a slice of pizza in Midnight Sun. He thinks about how he's going to have to choke it back up. Whereas like that's never really explained as to like where the food goes because obviously they don't have like a normal digestive system. So I guess if they eat human food, they'd eventually have to like throw it up because otherwise it just stay inside of them, which I just thought was super gross. Yeah. It's like a cat with a fur ball. <laughs> Ooh, it's so disgusting. And then I have to take a quick little victory lap because something I mentioned all the way back in twilight that I asked Charles about when Alice and Edward are like, they're going to return they're going to take Bella's truck to the school so she can drive it home. And she's like, there's no way they're going to find my key, like, in the pocket of my jeans thrown in my dirty laundry or something. And Alice finds the key because she sees herself finding it in the future. And then also Edward even mentions that he could have easily found it himself just by the smell of the key of, like, the metal mixed with the oil from Bella's fingers, which is something, like, obviously, as humans, we would have never thought of, like, how they would figure that out. Yes, I'm giving you a round of applause because you did figure it out. And I did like that she gave us that other way with the oils and the smells just because I never doubted that Edward could find her key. But we're, like, skipping over Alice's ability. Like, Edward would still have been able to find the key, which I like. Like, I like that there's two ways for it to work. Yeah. And then, so as Edward is, you know, falling in love with Bella, we get a little bit more of his background story he tells like a little story with him and carlisle and basically when he he kind of talks about when edward first joined carlisle carlisle surprised him on his second christmas as a vampire and this he's always kind of seen carlisle as like a father figure and then he goes into the story of how he eventually you know decided to leave carlisle and esme and they, this was talked about in the Twilight series, how he wasn't always with them. Like, he had a couple, like, like a decade wild of... Years. Yeah, of, like, wild, rebellious years. They discuss this, but it obviously they don't go super into detail about it. But this just kind of tells the reason why he made that decision was because Shaban, which she's from the Irish clan that we meet in Breaking Dawn, they run... Carlisle and Edward run into her, like, little coven within the first couple of years of his life. And Shaban makes a comment about how, or not a comment. I don't think she doesn't say it aloud. It's because Edward can read her thoughts and how she notices the strange color of Edward's eyes. And she's like, oh, wow, Carlisle's like, you know, putting his beliefs on this young vampire. And she says like, he's keeping him away from what she describes as human blood being the greatest joy of this life and that comment or thought I guess kind of haunted Edward because you know everything he's been taught by Carlisle is like we protect human life like we're living this life to be better and so he kind of like was like well if human blood is the greatest joy of this life like why are you keeping me from that so it kind of haunted him and so that's why he decided to go off on his own and you know with his thought reading his mind reading he can obviously pick 
evil people to hunt on, but it ultimately just didn't work for him because he would always feel guilty about all the lives he was taking, and he ultimately missed Carlisle and Esme, so he eventually obviously went back to them, and in this moment, basically, he's just realizing that, like, thinking of human blood as the greatest joy of this life is just so, like, like, not savage but like just so baseline and he's like he now knows that the greatest joy of his life is like loving Bella like finding a partner like getting to spend this time with that person so I just thought that was really interesting because you get all like we got all that story and him kind of coming to this conclusion that basically he's probably been confused his whole like hundred year old vampire life as to what is the point yeah and like this moment We kind of talked about this in the last, in the series as well, when Edward is like, I don't want to transform you because I think that vampires don't have souls. And I don't want to hurt your pure soul. And I remember saying then, I was like, Edward, the way that you feel about Bella and the way, like, also, like, in New Moon, he's like, when he thinks that he's in heaven with her because he thinks they're both dead. And he's like, wait, I guess we both are in heaven. Like, subconsciously, his brain was like, oh, we're going to heaven. And then also... Yeah. When I was like, Edward, the way you feel about Bella, like the strong love is that conquers your thirst, like that's a human emotion, like a soul-generated emotion. So you have a soul, like you've proven to yourself that you have a soul, so stop being stupid. But this moment also when he talks about like he resists the human blood, which physically satiates him to return to Carlon Esme because he misses them and he would rather be with them and abstain from human blood. Like, like, Edward, you have proof right then and there that you have a soul because you care so much about these people that you would rather be with them and deny yourself physical pleasure and physical comfort to be in their presence and earn their respect. I'm like, I can't think of a more human, like, noble, soul-worthy, like, good pursuit in a person. And I'm like, Edward, you literally know that you have a soul, so just transform Bella now. Yeah. That's how I felt reading that section. I was like really sweet that he like comes back to Carl and Esme and I was like, and the next logical step, Edward, is that you're a good person because you did that. Well, I still don't think that Bella should have been turned right away. I mean, I know you thought that too. It is, but we know that like she eventually needs to be turned into a vampire. Like they need to stay together. Yeah. And also like, I want to mention Esme being such a mom. Like she's upstairs like folding laundry or something like that, or she's designing a house or something like that. And Edward's playing the piano and he can hear her thoughts. And she's just so excited. She's like, oh my God, Edward's playing the piano again. He hasn't played in so long. And then she scolds the other ones for being so mean to him. And I want to mention like another Esme shout out. Everyone keeps saying that she's not a fighter. And I'm like, sure, she might be the most gentle of them. But like throughout all the books, everyone's like, Esme's not a fighter. We don't want to hurt her. We don't want to put her in danger. I'm like, she might be the weakest Cullen fighter, but she's still a vampire. Like, she's still made of marble. Like, she can still kill things. I don't know. It just was, like, mentioned again in this book. And I was like, just because she's sweet doesn't mean she's not, like, capable. Well, it's kind of like, that just reminds me of, I'm pretty sure it's in Jacob's section of Breaking Dawn. He talks about with Carlisle how when he was, like, planning his, like, fight, because when he was, like, on his suicide mission to go fight the Cullens for, like, hurting Bella or whatever, and he's, like, Carlisle would be hard to fight him because the whole time Carlisle would not want to hurt the wolves because he's so, like, compassionate, so he could lose because he's just so not into it, like, because he doesn't like fighting, like, he's a pacifist, so 
it's kind of like Carla and Esme kind of go together. Like, they obviously could fight. Like, they could put up a fight. But they both, like, don't like fighting. Like, they're just, they like to love. They like to have compassion. Like, they don't, they'll do a fight if they have to, but they would like to avoid it at all costs. Definitely. But yeah, so then we finally get to the meadow scene, which is actually a big turning point for the relationship, which we see from Bella's point, that's the turning point because ultimately she gets to learn everything about him. But from Edward's perspective, Alice tells Edward that basically this is the turning point because if he can prove that he has enough restraint to be with Bella, this is like them, as they describe it, like the knot of the future is basically either she's going to die in this meadow or they're going to push past this and they can be together. So obviously they make it. But I also just had a little beef because I don't remember this in, I don't know if they said how long it was in Twilight, but Edward's like, oh, we're just going on a very short hike. And then he like thinks he's like, oh, it's only like five miles or so. And I was like, five miles? That is not short for a regular human. Not to mention Bella, who's like particularly a mess when it comes to walking, even along straight ground, they're going to be hiking through the woods. Like if I were Bella, I'd be super nervous too. Yeah, like five miles, like we're both in shape, but I would probably like block out two and a half hours to hike five miles. I mean, it depends on the terrain. But I like, also just would never describe five miles as being a short distance to hike, like ever. I mean, yeah. like, if, if you're like a professional hiker, I guess, but like that's a long way to walk, especially like you're saying, it's not like you're just walking along straight ground, like you're hiking, you're going to be moving slower. Yeah, yeah, I... I mean, I guess they weren't carrying backpacks, so that's something. Because Edward's like, oh, my God, I forgot she has, like, human needs. I was like, <laughs> yeah, one of the things that makes hiking so uncomfortable is you're carrying all your food and water with you. Yeah. But, yeah, it's true. Like, he took so long to realize she was clumsy because he was so lovesick. He was like, everyone keeps thinking she's clumsy. I wonder why that is. And then he, like, watched her, and he's like, oh, my God, she is clumsy. Yeah, and then he just forgets it. He's like, five miles hiking will be fine. Also, like, this whole moment, Edward is so worried about Bella seeing him shiny. And he's like, oh, my God, she's going to think I'm so ugly. She's not going to like me. And I'm like, Edward, she's going to think you're the most beautiful thing alive. That's the whole point of you being shiny. I mean, this book, it it really shows how, like, Edward does not have an accurate view of himself. But it's also, like, he's so, like, he's clearly, like, I mean, even in Twilight, like, we can tell he's self-loathing. But once we're inside his mind, we can really see how much... He hates himself and, like, hates the idea of being a vampire. And I think for the his skin, like, shimmering in the sun, he's just, like, it marks him so much as not human. And, like, this whole book, he kind of talks about how, like, he just wishes he could be human with Bella. And so even though, obviously, he is beautiful, like, in his mind, he's just, like, he hates it because it's, like, something that's, yeah, it's so clearly marking him as not human, like, inhuman, like, other. But... We also, in the meadow, we find out that each vampire kind of interprets the thirst for blood a little bit differently, which hasn't really been talked about that much in the book, besides, like, with um, the novella with Brie Tanner. And Edward, obviously, he's described throughout the book with being around Bella is it feels like there's a fire burning in his throat, but he talks about how Jasper thinks of it almost as an acid burning. And then Rosalie and Emmett think of it more of as like a profound dryness, like they need to like quench their thirst, I guess, because their throat's just so dry. But and then also (laughs) 
is this in the meadow when Edward swallows Bella's tear, which I remember like when the book first came out, there was like talks of this, I think like online of like Stephanie Meyer, like we really didn't need that. We didn't need to know that he swallowed her tear. And he talks about how it will likely be in his body forever. Cause I guess anything that's not blood is like not absorbed into their system. So he's just going to have this single <laughs> teardrop like in his body. I don't know. I thought that was really weird. And then also something that's like never mentioned is from the first time they like sit at lunch together, Edward keeps and carries around like a bottle cap from like whatever drink she was drinking. And he just carries it around all the time. Like it's like this token of Bella. And I'm like, it's like sweet because like, again, these are kind of things that kind of show how even though Edward is, like, 100 years old, he's still, like, a teenager. Like, he still has teen emotions that he's just never gotten the chance to express because it's almost like his life was frozen. It's very first crushy. Very yeah. first crushy. Very. I mean, this is his first crush. Like, his first real love. His only real love, you mean? Yeah, only thing. Yeah, the tear was not as weird in Twilight when it happened because you just, like, you know. Because you don't know what... Like, yeah, you don't think it, about it as like because he's thing. like I'm keeping this tear in me forever. Whereas like if you because if you're you know when you're first meeting him like you don't know that much about the vampires, so it's like a sweet thing to like kiss away the tear. You know, like it's not. But the way the way he says it in Midnight Sun is kind of gross. Like because it almost it's like feels like cringy. solid. Yeah, yeah, it's like, a little cringy. <laughs> and. Yeah, the bottle cap was very, like, very much like a first crush kind of thing. Like, got to keep the memento. And, yeah, the thirst is interesting because, like you said, we get it in Brie Tanner. And she kind of describes it as fire, too. But Brie also immediately satiates it. Like, she's always, you know, because she's just trained to kill people. You know, she gets thirsty, she kills them. Yum. Done. (laughs) And Edward's like, I got to drink so much blood so that I feel like an inflated Michelin man. And when Bella becomes a vampire, she's in so much control, we don't really get into the thirst. Like, she's always like, "Mm, when I think about being a vampire, I kind of feel it in my throat. But then I think about my daughter, and I'm totally fine. (laughs) So, like, Edward, it's kind of nice that we get, like, a new perspective on that as well. And all this leads into Bella being introduced to the family, which and baseball, which is all going super well, except with Rosalie. But again, we already knew that. But then, of course, at baseball, all hell breaks loose. And then we get the chase, which was really stressful and awful. And I remember reading Twilight and being like, oh, my God, this took me there. Like, I was really stressed. I felt like it was more profound in Twilight. Maybe that's also because it was my first time reading it. And I was, like, worried that, like, one of the vampires... Well, like, I obviously knew that Belle and Edward weren't going to die. And I didn't know if she was going to get transformed in the first book or whatever like that. But it, there was a, I never knew if like one of the Cullens could get injured or if like if someone else could be like their stakes were high because it was my first time reading this. Yeah. And also because Bella is like such prey, whereas like Edward is not really in danger for himself at any point during the chase. So while it was still stressful, like one, I knew the resolution already. And two, because Edward is never scared for himself. Not that Bella's ever like, oh my God, I'm so scared I'm going to die. But like she kind of should be. It's a little, it was very stressful during Twilight, whereas this was like still stressful, but not the same. But what I really wanted to mention about the hunt is that Alice just like at the very beginning, like they're driving in the car and Alice is like, I think we should transform Bella. She's like, we should make her into a vampire right now. And she says it a couple different times. And we know Edward has already told her not to tell Bella, but we didn't really understand like 
that Alice, like, suggested a couple times, which was crazy, but also, like, I mean, would have prevented the chase from happening. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she even talks about how she sees, like, a very clear future of, obviously, if they turn into a vampire, James is no longer interested, but they obviously don't do that, but my, one of my favorite parts of this book is the crazy car scene once... They're all in Phoenix, like, rushing to save Bella because obviously they arrive and Bella's just escaped the airport. And even when Edward gets there, he's like, why didn't you guys just chase after her? And she's like, we need everyone or she would have died. Like, so it's just this whole crazy thing of, like, Alice seeing into the future. It's like Edward's driving. Like, it's just really, like, chaotic, but also, like, so, like, they're just so in sync. And then in the middle of their car chase, like, on the freeway, they have to switch cars because if not, like, the police are going to catch up to them. So this is just something that, like, it would have been really cool to, like, have seen this in the Twilight movie. Like, obviously, it wasn't written all the way back then, so, like, she didn't know all this. But it was just a very, like, action-packed scene. Like, it would have been interesting to see. But then we also have to circle back to something... (laughs) that I was very upset about when we read Twilight at the beginning, but to me was finally we got like a real explanation when we get Edward's point of view, which this is for why it was so easy for Edward to just stop drinking Bella's blood. Because as we talked about in our second part of our Twilight episode about how, because I haven't talked about this in the movie to me, it's even portrayed much better. But in the book, it's kind of like, Carlisle's like, you have to drink her blood, or you have to suck the venom out. And he's like, I can't do it. And he's like, okay, I'll do it. And then he does it, and then he stops. And it's like, it wasn't even hard. But basically, in Midnight Sun, obviously, we're getting from Edward's point of view, so there's a lot more going on. And basically, Carlisle has a thought of, like, snake venom, which gives Edward them the idea of, okay, they can try sucking the venom out. And it's basically because... Like, you know, they could have let the venom spread and they're basically like none of them want to force Bella into being a vampire, which I think is totally valid because that is kind of like, even though we know what Bella wants, kind of, I think Bella... She doesn't know then how much she wants it. Exactly. Like, I don't think, like, her actual transformation, like, works out so much better that I do think their relationship could have changed if they would have, if Bella would have been forced into being a vampire. So I totally understand that. She might have ended up more like Rosalie because all of other, all of Carlisle's other transformations were transformations when they were on their deathbed and Bella was on her deathbed. Yeah. So like it was kind of, it would have been more of like a 50, 50 where if Bella's obviously making a conscious choice, she knows what she wants. And then Basically, though, how he is able to stop. So, like, that's what initiates it. And so he's like, okay, I'll do it. I'll suck the venom out. He also feels confident because Alice shows Edward, like, the future in her head about how he will be able to save Bella. So he's like, okay, I'll do it. He starts sucking the venom out. And, you know, he can hear Alice's thoughts, like, being like, it's time to stop. Like, you're going to kill her if you keep going. But it's ultimately Bella's voice when she's like, stay with me, Edward. And then he just drops her hand and it's like, I'll stay with you. That's, like, ultimately what gets him to stop. So, like, I think that was, for me at least, a little bit more satisfying because Obviously, it just it it was more of like an internal battle as opposed to like outside, which I do like. Obviously, in the movie that they added in some more lines and like dialogue because obviously in a movie we can't hear Edward's thoughts, so like it's really hard to see that. 
But I just enjoyed that because to me, it was very like unsatisfying for the whole book. The whole premise of this is that he's so worried that he's going to kill her. And then it just seemed like it was way too easy. But so I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah. I like that too. Also, because it parallels something I brought up when Bella transformed in the end of Breaking Dawn, or I guess the middle of Breaking Dawn. The fact that she's able to resist all this pain. And remember, she's locked in. She's paralyzed because of the morphine. And she's like, I better remember to tell Carlyle never to give someone morphine during a vampire transformation. But we can't tell Edward because he'll feel bad I was in pain. But she, the reason she's able to resist the pain, because she, remember, she's like, I want to scream so badly. But if I scream, then Edward will know I'm in pain and he'll be all mopey <laughs> and I can't deal with mopey Edward. And the reason she's able to do that and get through it and not, like, beg for death is because she's thinking of Edward. I mean, she also thinks of Taylor Lautner, so we forget that bit. And she's also thinking of Renesmee and her child. But it's, like, thinking of the people that she loves, specifically Edward, that, like, helped her resist the pain. So it's kind of a nice, like, parallel that Edward is able to resist transforming her or resist killing her because of his love for her. Like, I like that in the transforming moments that their their relationship is so strong that it carries them through. Yeah, and then I also just love hearing Alice plan everything for how they're going to, you know, plan out the scene of Bella falling down the flight of stairs and going out the window. Like, they have to fake that whole crime scene, basically. But what is actually really sad is that, so obviously James filmed his, like, interaction with Bella and we don't really hear anything about it in Twilight because obviously, like, Bella just goes to the hospital. She's out for a couple days, has no idea. But Alice finds the video and she can already, like, see the future when Edward's going to watch it. So when they're in the hospital, Edward goes and watches the video. And obviously, you know, he tortures Bella and he's all angry and it's pretty terrible and he probably shouldn't have looked at it. But basically watching that video is what ultimately pushes him over the edge and like makes him decide that he has to leave. He actually, he's sitting in the like hospital chapel and he prays to like Bella's God. And it's basically like, you have to give me the strength to leave Bella because I'm going, I'm only going to hurt her and probably get her killed. And after he watches it, he destroys the little bottle cap, which was just kind of heartbreaking. But it was just really sad. Yeah. Before we get to that, because I think we're both going to have a lot to say about Edward being prepared to leave. Because that's obviously the biggest re- revelation that we've gotten in Midnight Sun was that Edward was prepping yeah. to leave. Because if you read it, the original series, you don't get that. You get Edward taken out of prom. They're so in love. And then the paper cut scene and Jasper's outburst and... Which isn't until New Moon. Which isn't until yeah, New so like, Moon. At the end of Twilight, it's just kind of like they're all. It's, it feels they like they're to at that impasse out. of like Bella's like, I'm ready to get transformed. And he's like, no. But it doesn't sound like Edward's being like, no, you're never going to see me again. But before we get yeah, to that. Yeah, it doesn't. It's not like that. I have to mention one thing that I really like is how much Emmett loves Bella. Yeah. And we don't get that because he's always teasing her, especially in, in Breaking Dawn, which. Bella should be a little more astute and be like, he's teasing her because he likes her. I mean, she knows that they like, he likes her, but like he, he likes her immediately. He says multiple times that he's embarrassed about Rosalie's behavior. And he, like, he says that a couple, like at the baseball game, he's like thinking, wow, she's so great. And then when they're in the chase, when they're driving around, Edward or, you know, they're in the truck and Emmett is chasing the truck and Jack and James is behind them. And 
Edward can hear Emmett's thoughts. And, like, obviously Emmett's general instinct would be to turn around and kill James right then and there. Like, he would just, like, his problem-solving strategy would not be, like, let's figure out a plan to cause the least damage. But Jasper, like, I mean, not Jasper, Emmett, he knows that the right thing to do to protect Bella is to follow the plan. And so he's able to, like, turn off his instinct. Like, he he's so focused on protecting her more than anything else, more than, like, his own desire. And, like, even later on, he, when they're, um, I think it's when they're in the, it can't be when they're in the hospital. It must be when they're driving from the studio to the hospital. He's thinking, he's like, she is such a good kid. He literally says, she's such a good kid. And he's like, Rose is going to have to get over this pronto. Like, <laughs> Emmett likes her so much. And you don't get that. Um, you don't get that in the original series. Like, obviously, he likes her. They all like her. But, like... But, yeah, you're not going to get detail. But he really likes her so much. I thought that was really sweet because, you know, Emmett is just such a teasy little um, jock the rest of the time. <laughs> Basically. And Bella's blood type is O positive. Just, you know, blood type tracking here um, on Throwback Paperback. <laughs> and there's something I really want to mention. I forgot to mention it in the second episode of Twilight. But it came up in Midnight Sun, and I was like, i got to mention it this time before I forget again. Phil gets signed to the Jacksonville Suns, which is the Miami Marlins. It's a, I think it's their um, their AAA team. Minor league it's team. A, one of their minor league teams. I think they belong to the Marlins, but I could be wrong. But I've seen – the Suns don't exist anymore. They've been rebranded as the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. I've been to many <laughs> – you can't see this because it's a Their podcast. Their mascot is a is jumbo, jumbo shrimp. shrimp. You've literally seen my dad wearing a jumbo shrimp cap before. I'll point it out next time. What? So my family, my but that's just something you eat. I know that's jumbo shrimp are so tasty. But we have all. Like, I've been to many sons, a couple sons games because my I my grandparents are near Jacksonville, so we used to go to minor league sons games, and then they rebranded. So we had Jacksonville Suns shirts. I, we all had them. And then my dad has a jumbo shrimp hat because we've been to jumbo shrimp games. So that dates this book series because they're not even called the Jacksonville Suns anymore. But you've wow, definitely seen I my just... dad wearing a Jacksonville jumbo shrimp hat. I have not, but that is literally the well, worst. Well, also, it's a weird mascot. The worst like you, mascot you wouldn't see ever. that on a hat. You'd be like, he has a shrimp on his hat. You wouldn't think that's a baseball team. <laughs> Well, to you, no. I would think it's like <laughs> you'd be like like a restaurant. Yeah, that's like a, bubblegum shrimp. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's a hat. I'll point it out next time we see my dad. I'll tell him to wear it. And okay. then we have the prom scene. So yeah, which is basically the same thing as Twilight. So let's move into like a bit of a more freeform discussion because I'm sure we both want to talk about the book and Edward's decision to leave. So why don't you start us off with that, Asia? Okay, well, I have to just start with, yes, reading the end of this book, like, once Edwards made this decision to leave Bella, I don't know why, but I was getting extremely angry. Like, I was very mad, basically, because Edward, like, for one, Edward has, Alice has shown Edward, like, the future vision of if Edward leaves Bella, she is going to be extremely depressed. So he's seen that. He knows that that's going to be the consequence. And even though he doesn't want that to happen, he's like, it's still better than the alternative because, you know, he's so set on this idea of that I'm going to hurt her physically and I could get her killed. So basically his decision to leave her, it's not accounting for the importance, like, of mental health at all, which I don't know. That's just super angering for me. Because we mentioned before in our Twilight episode about 
how, or in our New Moon episode, about how he literally gave her PTSD and she has no real way of coping with what she's been through because she can't talk about it with anybody because she can't tell anyone that, you know, she dated a vampire, she met a whole vampire family, like, so basically his idea is he's only essentially trying to protect her physical health, which doesn't work because he also isn't fully thinking it through because the fact is by involving her in his world and he literally describes her as a magnet for danger and trouble so of course it's likely that she will probably encounter more vampires in her life and it just doesn't make any sense to me why he wouldn't want to be there to protect her from the bad vampires like but in this like he's having a very selfish moment of like being so consumed in his own guilt and like he's worried about being too selfish for wanting to keep her and like he doesn't take into account at all what Bella wants and I don't know that just makes me super angry and I do think I'm more angry because we read this obviously right after Breaking Dawn we get the happy ending and it's just like we went back like 500 steps obviously all the way back to the beginning and like I've already said like New Moon's my least favorite book like I hate that Edward leaves her like so it's just it was hard like from going from like, oh, we finished the series to reading this. And I'll talk a little bit about that in a second. But I also just like hate the like the last chapter of the book, basically, when he basically is like, as he's like talking to Bella in the hospital, he like makes this thing of like, he doesn't want to lie to her, but he like makes sure not to say like, I'll stay with you. But he's like, I'm not going to say for like, he doesn't say forever. Like, He's, like, making all these little notes in his head of how he's planning to, like, slowly ease away from her, which is just, like, terrible because it also kind of changes your perspective on Twilight, the ending of Twilight, because basically after her being in the hospital, Edward has made a decision that he is planning on leaving her. So when he goes to prom, he already knows that he is eventually going to leave her, like, because when we read the original series, it's kind of just, like, he might have been feeling that way, but, like, it wasn't as straightforward and then maybe the scene with Jasper at her birthday is like what really pushed him over the edge but no he was pushed over the edge months ago and like now he's he's just been waiting for the right time so I don't know that just makes me really angry with Edward in this moment and like I was like low-key kind of like he kind of got what he deserved in Eclipse with Bella kind of being confused and like liking Jacob and everything because I mean obviously we love Edward we hate Jacob (laughs) But basically, that is still the official stance of this podcast. It's the official stance and the only correct stance. But basically, Edward, because Edward changes in Eclipse, he changes his tune because when he comes back, he actually begins to respect Bella. I mean, we get the, they have a conversation. I mean, when at first Edward doesn't let her go see Jacob, like he's like, you know, I should probably start respecting your decisions. And And I mean, that's the main difference, obviously, between Edward and Jacob. Like, Edward can change on his own, whereas the only time Jacob literally doesn't change until he becomes imprinted to Renezme. Like, and even then, he's probably still kind of a sucky person. But he's still pretty dumb. Yeah. Like, it it doesn't make him smart. He's just focused on someone else. Yeah. And so I guess reading this, you kind of just, we get to hear everything Edward's thinking. And, like, it's so clear, like, he does not respect Bella and Bella's wishes at all. And last thing I just have to talk about is... So Edward taking Bella to prom, he basically says why he takes her to prom, because like I said, he's already decided that he's leaving her at this point, and Alice wants him to take her to prom because obviously Alice wants to give Bella a makeover and everything. Also, they're friends now. And they're friends now. Now that Edward lets them hang out, they spend all day together. (laughs) Also, because Alice, like, you know, obviously, we like, I don't know if we briefly mentioned this. She's her caretaker. Yeah, she takes care of Bella while she's like in her cast and everything and like helps her shower. 
But Edward goes along with it because he has this idea of in this distant future when Bella is married and has kids, not with Edward, with some random person, she, he doesn't want, like, he sees one memory of, you know, where Bella, Bella's kids are like, how is your, like, prom? And she's like, oh, I never went. And he's like, no, he wants it to be different. And he imagines this where, you know, he takes her to prom and, you know, her kids ask this question and she's like you know it was so crazy like my boyfriend and his sister like they kind of forced me to go they gave me a whole makeover and I really didn't want to go but you know it turned out it wasn't that bad it was actually really fun and then you know she has this moment of like reminiscing in her head because obviously she can't tell her kids how they were vampires and blah 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 and he's just excited because he's like oh like she'll still remember me and I'm like again you've seen the future where she's depressed and it's like we know what happens to Bella in New Moon. And the fact is, I don't think she'll ever remember it like that. And that's where it's just like, I don't know. Again, it to me, it just makes it seem like he doesn't think of Bella as a real person. Because, or like, I guess he just doesn't understand, like, the gravity of the situation. Like, he knows how he feels leaving Bella. Like, why do you think that Bella's not going to feel the same way? Like, I just... Yeah. Especially if she's supposed to be a human with more strong human feelings. Like, wouldn't they be worse for her? Like, I just don't think... Bella will ever be as happy as she could be with Edward. I mean, we even get that in New Moon, like right before Alice comes back. Basically, Bella's like making that decision of she's kind of like, maybe she'll settle and be with Jacob, who we know Jacob is a terrible person and probably will eventually like mistreat her. Like, I don't know. I just. And she literally says she's like, I'm not going to be as happy as I could ever be. Like, this is not the being with Jacob will not make me the happiest I could be. But I would only do this because it would make him feel better. Like, she's like, I would feel happy because I'm satisfying him. And I like to help people and make them feel better. But she's like, I myself would not be happy. Yeah, I personally think that, like, if that would have happened and, like, she ended up with Jacob, yeah, I don't think she would have ever been fully happy. And I think she could have eventually had, like, an actual mental breakdown because holding on to information like that, I guess she can talk to Jacob about it. But that's the only reason she's friends with Jacob is because she can actually talk to him about it. Yeah, well, that's why I just, they stay friends because she that's the reason he's her therapy is because she can actually talk to him about it. I just hate yeah. Jacob, like, he does not deserve to be with Bella. Like, I'm sorry, I just hate it. I hate it. That's so terrible. But I just, I don't know, I just got so angry because like Edward is just pushing her away and like it's like you're meant to be together. Why are you fighting fate? Also, like, it bothers me because it does feel like Bella's excruciating pain in New Moon was avoidable if it was it foreseen, was. like, it was foreseen because it, and it Edward was. and Alice knew. And Edward, you're totally right. Also, like, something we talked about when we were in in New Moon, when Edward comes back, because he's like, yeah, I never realized Victoria would chase you down. I'm like, you were really not thinking about, like, now that you've exposed her and, like, she's going to have a target on her back physically. And he's, yeah, it's a very selfish approach because his approach kind of is like, I will feel better about my life if I know that Bella is alive somewhere and it's not my fault that she got injured. Like, if she dies yeah. for any other reason, it won't have been my fault. So he's like, I can live with myself that way. And, and I was like, he's basically like, when she dies, I'll just go to the altar and kill myself. And I'm just like, that is ridiculous. Why don't you just stay with Bella, both be happy, and, you know, just protect her from all the danger? Because as we saw, you were literally able to suck venom out of her. You are not going to kill her. It's not going to be you. It could be people around you. But don't you think, as we just saw, like, you and your family are the best protection she could possibly have? Po- best possible. Between you and Alice, like, you guys are basically unstoppable. And, like, 
yeah, you can try to go for that timeline where you, like, don't transform Bella. And then, you know, obviously we think that he needs to transform her. But, like, you can do that if you want to. But then, and then kill yourself afterwards. But, like, <laughs> like you can go to the Volturi after Bella dies. But it just, yeah, he really is not taking her thoughts into account. Obviously not taking her emotional well-being into account at all. And, yeah, I, I totally agree that, like, he deserves a little bit of rough and tough in Eclipse because it wasn't, like, he really was not being very considerate of her. Also, like, it's okay to be a little selfish when it's not, like, it would be one thing if he's, like, I want you to turn a vampire and Bella's, like, nope, I don't want to do that. It's kind of like, he's kind of like, I don't want to do that because I don't want you to, like, lose your soul or whatever. And I don't want to condemn you to that fate. While Bella is literally begging him <laughs> to turn her into a vampire. She's like, please let me be a vampire. I want to join your family. And he's like, Also, who's no. the best person? Who's the who's the best person we meet in the whole series? Who's the kindest, best person we meet in the series? Carlisle. Carlisle. Yeah. <laughs> he's a vampire. <laughs> he's a vampire. Like, he's never killed anyone. Like, please. Like, are you kidding me, Edward? Like, ugh. I wanted to mention that I don't think this book, I mean, obviously, this is like an obvious thing, but the book really would not work if you didn't have Twilight, though. Oh, for because sure. Because it's kind of a slow book. Because it, Edward is always getting everyone else's thoughts, so each scene just takes so long to get through because Edward is reading everyone else's thoughts. And also, Edward is incredibly self-loathing in this book. And it's a little draining to read because it's not even – because it's not righteous self-loathing. Okay. It's not like he's like – Okay, who do you think – He's just like – Who do you think is more yeah. annoying, Bella or Edward? Who's more annoying to read? To read from? Yeah. Uh, I would it's say it's hard because we have obviously you have four books with Bella, in, but just between Twilight, me, it's hard. Between Twilight, I think Bella's more annoying to read because she's dumb. Like she's because <laughs> because at least like she doesn't take the threat of Edward seriously, which is one thing. Like she's a little like stupid in her like infatuation with him. Like at least his like the reason he like. Because it's kind of like she sees him and he's, like, pretty looking. And then he's mean. He's, like, hard to get. And then she's, like, head over heels. And she's also, like, again, like, no one should be that clumsy. Like, I I, I got frustrated reading Bella because she's, like, I just walked and I fell over. Like, <laughs> like that was harder for me to read as a human than I was, like, she literally can't walk. But I will say that, like, in Eclipse, even though I was mad at Bella's behavior... Eclipse and Breaking Dawn, I liked reading from Bella's perspective because she's much more of a player. Well, she kind of like, grows up New a little Moon bit. She and gets a little bit more mature. Yeah, in New Moon and Twilight, she's very passive. And she's while she's still passive in Eclipse and Breaking Dawn, at least she's vocal about, like, she's much more in, like, what she wants is vocalized. Again, she's not very good at making it happen, but, I mean, she gets better at it. And actually, in Breaking Dawn, she's pretty good at making what she wants happen. She kind of is like, Edward, I want this. And he's like, okay. <laughs> Edward, I want to have sex before I become a vampire. Okay. Um, Edward, I want to do it again. Okay. <laughs> Edward, I want to have this baby. Okay. <laughs> you know, I... But I think that... I think that, like, I would... This one, I preferred reading it from Edward's perspective only because he's a little more, like cognizant of like the whole situation because he just like he understands better what's going on 
but I'm pretty mad at him at the ending. I think that, yeah, and that's then, how I feel. Edward just gets really annoying at the end. <laughs> yeah. Because you're angry with him. Because it is really you're frustrating like, to well, know. Because you know that he's making a mistake. You know that it's the wrong decision. Yeah, especially knowing that he knew how Bella would react, but he's like, um, Alice could be wrong about that future. I'm like, Edward, stop. <laughs> well, it's not that he, I don't think, it's not that he thinks, his whole idea is it's not that it's wrong. It's the idea of she's a human and time will heal all wounds and she'll get better. But like, will she? Like, <laughs> Again, he gaslit her a little bit. Like, she can't talk to anyone. Um, So I was dating this guy. He was a vampire, and his whole family were vampires. But, but get this, they didn't eat meat. They didn't eat humans. They only eat animals. They're good, good vampires. Were like, okay, like, can you imagine going to your therapist and saying like, that? We're going to have to um, do a 72 hour hold on her. <laughs> um, so, but, but, but I was chased by this vampire who really likes eating humans. And, well, and then I was in Phoenix. <laughs> also, if she, let's say she did go to the therapist and, you know, they thought she was crazy, but then it gets out that, like, there's this crazy girl. The Volturi are going to come and kill her. That's what I'm saying. Like, he's not even thinking of, like, all the consequences of, you aren't supposed to tell people that there are vampires, so they're going to come kill her. Then they're going to come kill the Cullens. Like, no. Yeah. Especially when he's like, it'll be like I never left. And then I'm like, but no, he'll be like, that, he's like, like, it'll be like I never existed. And I was like, existed. I think you're, I think you're banking on this idea of that. She's going to have amnesia. Like Bella <laughs> is 18. She is a long time away from forgetting things like this. And that's the kind of, this is the kind of thing that she's never going to forget. She's going to be on her deathbed. Like the vampires, like she's never going to forget that. Like, yeah, I, I just, oh, it was. Yeah, the ending of this book, I was like, you're kidding me. I wrote down, I was like, Edward's already planning on leaving. No! Yeah, I was not happy about it. But anyway, I also just wanted, which I kind of mentioned earlier about how I definitely enjoyed this book a lot more when I read it last summer. Not just, obviously it was for the first time, but also it just, it had been a while since I'd read the Twilight books at all. And so to me, this is kind of book like it's kind of nice that if you haven't read the story in a while, it's kind of it was nice to get a different perspective. So it's almost like you're reading the series for the first time. But like you obviously know it's going to happen, but you're getting new insights, like how we get all the scenes with just Edward, like with the Cullens or when he goes to Denali, like all these different things. And since we just read the whole Twilight series, it was like we've talked. It was kind of slow and a little repetitive, obviously, because we know exactly what's going to happen. And then it's obviously slower with Edward reading people's thoughts. And then honestly, it was just really hard reading this after coming off the high of finishing Breaking Dawn and then getting their happy ending. And then we're basically just going all the way back to the beginning and to the inevitable of him leaving her. So I guess if we were to read this again, it would be better just to read, it would obviously just, I think, be better to read Midnight Sun right after you read Twilight. Or just to read it, like, yeah. at a completely separate, like, to me, this is a good book, like, if you're like, I don't want to commit to reading the whole story again, you could just read Midnight Sun. And the actual prose is better in this book. Stephanie Meyer had 15 years to get better at writing, and it's, it is better. Like, it's, I mean, obviously their love declarations aren't that great, but, you know, that's just because they have the emotional, you know, spectrum of 18-year-olds. But maybe I or even read a after New Moon, maybe because Edward would be back by then, so you wouldn't have to hate Edward as much because you would really, really hate Edward. I guess. No, yeah. Maybe. I, I don't, at least he'd be back. Yeah. I don't know. I just maybe wouldn't you should read, just read it, it after Twilight. I just would not read it after Breaking Dawn. 
Especially because Breaking Dawn, like the whole, I loved Breaking Dawn so much. I like, I, I, as we said, I even liked the Jacob parts. And so like it, yeah, I totally agree that it was like, you wouldn't want to read this. Like read it. Yeah. Read it after Twilight. The same way you read Brie Tanner after Eclipse. Read this after Twilight. Just that you're like in the right headspace. And maybe that also like make you, you know, hate Jacob a little less during the process. Just maybe a little bit. <laughs> But I think, I think that wraps up Midnight Sun. Yeah. You have anything else you want to say? Did you enjoy Midnight Sun? Did you think it was a good addition to the series? <laughs> yes and no. I'd really liked afterwards. I was like, I want to have Breaking Dawn from Edward's perspective when he's just in love the whole time. I just want, I just want Edward in love and like being like, oh my god, the baby. Oh my god, Bella. Oh my god, the baby can think. Oh my god, Bella. I mean, I would not like, want the first half of Breaking Dawn when he's just the burning man. <laughs> Okay, yeah, maybe not that, but you know the the well, you know. I just think Twilight was obviously the best book because it's basically we get we get the other half of falling in love. Like you get that perspective of his first impressions of Bella and falling. And like for we her. said, his falling in love makes more sense than hers does because he's like intrigued by her because he can't read her thoughts. Whereas Bella's like he's just so pretty, <laughs> he's so pretty. <laughs> yeah, so like I think also since obviously like this book, Stephanie Meyer had like wrote. I mean. I'm not going to lie. I read the leaked chapters because she put them on her website. You know, they were this book. She had been working on it. She got like the first 12 chapters or so and they got leaked online. This was like way back when Twilight was at its peak. And when that happened, she was like, I'm permanently like shelving this. I'm not working on it anymore. And like a couple of years ago, I went and read it. and I was like, this is really good. Like I want to I want the whole book. And then just randomly, obviously, in 2020, I guess she announced that she was finally she finally had finished it and she was gonna release it and i don't know i think it was a nice addition especially i mean obviously for if you're a twilight fan it's always it's nice to get something else in the story which like we've talked about we we would love to see like other vampire stories being told like just expanding or the cullens a century later yeah the cullens like a comeback book like that would just be really interesting but i definitely enjoyed it i was super excited when i heard that it was coming out and i do think it's a nice little addition to the series personally yeah i think so too and i'm glad that we we got to cover it but yeah and that with that i guess we can finally say we have finished stephanie meyer's twilight saga and we will be watching the movies probably today and next week we are starting our next book series which is charles turn to reread and my turn to read it for the first time and we are starting Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials with the first book called The Golden Compass. And we will be reading chapters 1 through 13. So if you are going to read along with us, go ahead and read up to there. Yeah, we're reading His Dark Materials, which I'm really, really excited about. I've read The Golden Compass probably like eight times. And I've read the other two books not as many times. But I actually read the three of them at the beginning of the pandemic. So over a year ago at this point. But obviously more recently than the last time I'd read them. So they're going to be semi-fresh, but also I saw that terrible movie for the first book. I'm sure I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but they made the first book into a movie with like incredible actors. It was just not a good movie and they didn't produce the other ones, but there's a really good TV show coming out right now on HBO. And I saw the first two seasons, which are the first two books and it's really excellent. So we'll be covering, you know, the, the books now and they're a little more sciencey and a little more philosophical, 
which should be fun, especially the second and third book are much more philosophical. And I think I have no way of knowing how Asia is going to react because Asia doesn't love like crazy high fantasy, but, and this definitely takes place in our world, but I don't know. I'm not sure. Like, well, I'm just excited to see what she thinks. Well, you but said if, if it takes place in the real world, I'm sure I'll like it. Yeah, I think you will. I think you will. We'll see, though. <laughs> I'm not going to we'll get see. my hopes up. But I like Twilight, so there's that. Even though the writing was, you know, Twilight. But You're if, a Twilight fan now? <laughs> I, I'm a Breaking Dawn fan is what I am. I'm, I'm a fan of Breaking Dawn. I'll accept that. If you want to talk about Twilight with us, though, or the Golden Compass, or really anything else or you have any predictions or theories or questions, remember that you can always stay in touch with us about anything on the Nerd Party website. You just head over to nerdparty.com slash contact. You select throwback paperback. We tell you this every week. You can send us an email there, or you can get in touch with the network at large on Twitter at joinnerdparty, on Instagram at thenerdparty, or on facebook.com slash thenerdparty. And to find me, I'm at C.E. Sheeland on both Twitter and Instagram. And I'm at Asia Bonia on Twitter and at Asia.Bonia on Instagram. If you enjoyed this, make sure that you rate and review the podcast and share it with your friends. And of course, check out the other podcasts on the Nerd Party Network and make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss us next week. Yeah, hit that subscribe. Have a good one and we'll see you next week. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.